Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study 7 a.m. meeting. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, August 11th, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter into action. We are on page 83. We are on the second paragraph. And we will be reading and discussing just that second paragraph on page 83. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Zakira J, the 12 Traditions, Liz V. And our text readers today are Anita J, Katie G, Deb Deb, Deb D, and our newcomer greeter today is Kathy M. And our host for the second hour is Lynn S. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, August 10th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10,294-10294. And the share ID for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10,295 10295. Overeaters <clears throat> OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sakira J to read the 12 steps for us, please. Ah, yes. Thank you, Monica. This is Sakia, a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people where 
never possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, soar through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve, and I pass. Thank you, Zakia J. And I will now ask Liz V. to read the 12 Traditions, please. Hi, Elizabeth, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders (coughs) are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Liz V. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Into Action, 
We are on page 83. We will be reading the second paragraph that begins, The spiritual life is not a theory. And we will be reading just that one paragraph. I um, lost my spot here. Okay, and with that, I am going to ask Anita J. if she will read for us, please. Thank you. Thank you very much, Monica T. This is Anita J., a recovered compulsive overeater out in Massachusetts. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our spiritual behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. My timer. You know, I uh, had next to this words, not action. Words, not action. Excuse me, action, not words. <laughs> that was the old Anita. Words was the one that was run on self will. You know, on page 60, it's so leading up to our surrender, to surrender to this program, to, to surrender to a spiritual way of life. It says, a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And that is what, no matter what I tried to convince myself of, I was not a success. I would do many things, but they were never the things that that I think I was meant to do because I was filled with fear. You know, at um, in Virginia Beach, there was a game where they would call some of us up and there was a game and they'd start a sentence from the big book and then the contestant would answer it, uh, trying to remember from the big book. So the spiritual life was said, and I said, is not for sissies. And everybody laughed, because that's kind of me, you know, looking for the laugh. But this is pretty deadly serious, you know. If, if sissy means cowardly, a weakling, if you translate into a fearful person, a sissy, a fearful person, then I was a sissy led on self-will. Why would my family follow anything I do? It's been my behavior. It's been attraction, not promotion, attraction. And I've seen some amazing things happen in my family. One in the program, one who uh, seems to adopt a spirit of generosity and a spirit of what you, what you would want in a human being. And I'm not taking all the credit. I'm taking none of it. I love it when I hear everybody here. It's a reminder. Some of the people here, I owe it all to God. He was in charge all the time. But I took the, finally the cotton out of my ears and listened and surrendered. And the spiritual life uh, is second to none. I hope that all in time will find their way 
to this program. I I have a lot. I had a lot of atoning to do, but saying saying things was not the way. It was the old spirit. This is a program that offered so much more than I ever realized. And I hope you all realize that eventually, too. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anita J. And for those who may have just come on, we are on page 83, and we are commenting on the second paragraph, The Spiritual Life is Not a Theory. And who would like to comment on that paragraph this morning? Michael H. from Boston. Larry K. South Jersey. Michael, my, okay, hold KD. on a second. Michael, uh, oh. Larry, hold on. <laughs> um, Nicole, okay, this is what I've got, and I've missed some of you. All right, Michael H., Katie G., Larry K., Nicole, and there was others. Vasa O., Kim G., Vasa, Kim, that's who I knew I had heard. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. This is a lineup. Michael H., Katie G., Larry K., Nicole, I didn't get the last initial, Vasa O., and Kim G. You're up, Michael. Great. Thank you very much for your service. Good morning, Vision. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Great, great. Thank you. This is Michael H. I just want to plug in. From the great state of Illinois this morning into the power of these pages. Um, and what a powerful paragraph this is. Um, on the previous page, we were talking about, you know, for me, it really hit home the tornado. The tornado, I was the tornado running through the lives of of my family and people who knew me. and um, And that obviously... Destroyed, you know, relationships and hearts were were broken. That's why, when it comes to this paragraph, that our, you know, what, why does our behavior have to? Why does my behavior have to convince anyone of anything? Because of what what I did with my tornado and my addiction, uh, there was no control over my life, let alone my food, and. Before this program, I had faith, right? I had faith, and and it it essentially was a theory for me. It wasn't something that I knew how to live out in my life. I could, in fact, go to church, and I could, in fact, uh, participate in, in religion. But by and large, there was no action, not not like there is now in my life. Um, it says we have to live it, and that faith plus this practical program of action put into into uh, into action in my life has created something that I've never experienced before. It's created, it's unblocked me from a power that you know that is greater than myself that actually is convincing people in my life today um, of change. And I don't talk incessantly about it at all. Um, unless someone asks me in my family. In some relationships, as it talks about on the previous page, some relationships um, are dead and they're not going to be revived. But the relationships that are supposed to be 
um, are, and they they have been uh, they have been transformed much as my life has been. So I'm still a recovering compulsive overeater, and I will keep coming back. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Michael H. Katie G. It's your turn. Then it'll be Larry K. Hey, Monica. May I be heard? Yes. Hey guys, Monica, thanks for your service. Good morning, everyone. Recovered KDG, compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic, and starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, so many big thoughts I have. You know, we're in the chapter into action. We're not in the chapter into talking. And if you'll notice, there's no big book chapter called into talking. And that's what theories are, right? Like we sit around and we talk and we dissect and we talk about our thoughts and our feelings. This is action. We have to live it. And, um, you know, I never showed up. Or I showed up and I was 228 pounds and binging my brains out. Or I showed up 110 pounds. Like my father communicated very clearly to me that I was a chronic worry for him for many, many years. And when I was in program and I I was like, guys, I'm done. Like you can trust me now. But the damage, the craziness, the insanity of my food addiction, showing up one day happy, not showing up the next day, showing up one day remorseful, not showing up, it creates a psychosis in other people, right? And they don't know how to trust me. That's my fault. And just because I'm turning over a new leaf and I'm not eating and I'm not whatever, it's going to take some time. And the biggest gift I got maybe in the last year is that, my dad said he's not worried about me anymore. I'm 38, guys. Took a little bit. My dad just turned 75. So that's a gift. But the other thing that comes to me is it's really easy, you know, if you have a big mouth like me, to come on this line and talk about, you know, the theories in this book. Because let's be honest, we are all very smart people. It takes a lot of creativity to use food, bulimia, anorexia, to solve a problem, right? But the problem is that mind can't fix me anymore. And this line drives me because it drives me every day. Like, am I living my spiritual principles? And, and what I mean by drive is like I use step 10, right, during the day and step 11. Where am I falling short? I call all of you and I say, okay, this is, this is where I'm falling short. I'm falling short as a wife or I'm falling short as a sponsor or I'm falling short as an employee. And I call all of you and I say, how do I change? And I'll just say this, like, I, um, I consistently didn't show up for employers. And I immediately wanted them to see, no, look, I'm showing up again. I'm changing. But the thing is, again, you guys, my words are fake. You know, like, I need to show up through action. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I have to live this, that I have to show up honestly every day and say, this is where, I'm, where things are going well. This is where I'm being driven to God, and I need to change. And I'm blessed that this is not a program about talking. It's doing. So I'm going to keep showing up. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry Kay, it's your turn, and then it'll be Nicole. Thanks very much, Monica. Good morning. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Um, well, I can't add a lot to what was already said. I, I just want to comment that, you know, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Okay, so it's 
You know, I, I think to some extent, at least for, if you're like someone like me, you know, I came into this program and, and if you would have asked me if I thought this program was magic, I would have chuckled with you. No, of course it isn't magic. I would have, you know, told you that certainly it's, you know, we're taking actions and there's these steps and all this. But the truth is, the way I was living my life in program was that this was a magic deal. This was uh, some, some kind of hocus pocus pixie dust type of thing that if I kind of just hung around you guys and I kind of just assimilated some information that that was going to be enough and my thinking was going to be changed by you and it never would be. You could, you could come on this line every morning and hear some wisdom maybe, some things, but, but this program is a sequential program. It's got to be done in order. It's got to be done precisely as laid out in the big book, the instructions. You can't do it perfectly, but you, but you follow the steps precisely. Of course your food's down 100%, not 98%. Of course not. But when it's put down 100% and then you embark on these steps in sequence, that there's nothing theoretical about that. It's purely taking action. And when you take these actions, no magic, there's a, you move from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence perhaps to an other-centered existence. And, you know, that happened to me. I mean, and it's funny. You move through these steps. You get, you get clear on who you are. Do you have this problem? If you do, what's the solution to the problem? Now, how am I going to bring that solution to light? It's right there in the book. you got the book right there. That's how you're going to bring the solution to light. And it's not going to take forever. And when you change, no magic, you're still a human, but when you change, then you have this you're, you're brought into alignment with the higher power of your own understanding and your life changes and you know it and the people around you know it. That's the beauty of this thing, not theoretical. Theories are not what this deal is. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Nicole, it's your turn and please tell us the initial of your last name and then it'll be Vasa. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Nicole P., a grateful recovered compulsive reader from Georgia. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. For me, that means, yes, I'm recovered. But just as the speaker who just got off said, I'm still human. And in my humanness, I'll still make mistakes. And the difference between now and then before I was willing to make the changes, I don't have to sit in it and I don't have to let it consume my life. I can feel my feelings. I can do a 10-step on it. I can acknowledge, you know what, Nicole, maybe that behavior just wasn't acceptable. Maybe it would have been okay in your 16 years of drunkenness, but now that you're recovered, that's not okay. Um, It also means that, yes, I have to still check for any resentment, any fear, any dishonesty or selfishness. Um, I remember, and I'll never forget it, it made me smile, but it's so true. A speaker once said, you know, um, resentment is like slapping yourself and expecting the other person to feel it. <laughs> and that was my thing um, when I was in my disease, deep in my disease. I always had to be right. I would argue down to the point where um, you have to believe what I'm saying because I'm never wrong and you're wrong. And my mom always said you should become a lawyer. And I said, if it's not as exciting as it seems on film and television, no thank you. And that's how it was in the beginning. I thought, oh, 10-step, I'm good at this. 
is just proving how right I was and how wrong someone else was. Wrong. That's not what it is. This is admitting my part. This is saying I was wrong. But it's also showing through action. Because if all I'm doing is making empty promises in the form of apologies, I apologize for this, I apologize for that, I'm recovered, don't you believe me? I might as well be the adults in the peanut script. Womp, 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 womp. It's like, you know, if these actions aren't in place, if I'm not making a daily reprieve, then I'm not doing the work. Um, for me, it's uh, those 16 years, I can't just show up and magically, you know, expect someone to be like, you know, I believe you. It's like, no, my actions are showing it. And I love how simple things like making amends and just choosing to make a different choice in a moment where before I would have had a temper tantrum because I would have, again, wanted to be right, wanted to prove how right I was. It means that these steps not only work, it means that living it day in and day out, it means that, oh, my goodness, I'm living And living means making changes, and it means admitting my faults, but also being willing to change and accept that in order to stay this way, it means that I have to be willing to do this work and to live it for the rest of my life, not just for the moment. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Nicole P. Vasa O, it's your turn, and then it'll be Kim G. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Thank you, Monica, for your service and for everybody's service this morning. The spiritual life is not theory. We have to live it. And for me to live it is to be abstinent. So action, action, practice, practice. That has been my story for many years, I have been in this program. At the beginning, uh, when I came to the program, I was so high on my spirituality. When I surrendered to my higher power with the food and my life and, and my life and my will, and I, I got the abstinence right from the beginning. And I don't credit. I don't take any credit. It's by the grace of God. He gave me the power, the strength to do it one day at a time. And, of course, I was uh, introduced to the 12 steps, the traditions, and, uh, and that was it. I found hope. I wanted to tell everyone about the good news I found into the program. Finally, finally, after suffering and being in this disease for so long, so many years, and this was my last stop. And I was, yeah, it's, and I was using my words, and I go, I was going to my friends that were struggling with the food. They were on my on diets like myself for many years. They didn't ask me. I wanted to tell them the good news, but they weren't ready. They didn't want to hear about it. You know, good. I'm glad. I'm glad, Fasa, you have found that that's working for you. And then gradually, little by little, you know, I started letting go, you know. And it's, it's how I live my life. 
without the food. And, you know, at first, my, you know, my kids were, my husband was skeptical. Yeah, it's just another phase you're going through. You know, yeah, this is going to change another week. You're going to go right back into your food. It's by the grace of God. I never went back to the food. And it's working. It's practice. And I don't do this perfectly. The only thing I do perfect is stay 100% from from my alcoholic foods. And then I don't do this again. As I said, I don't do this perfectly with my emotions. It is physical, emotional, spiritual program. And that's, I want to have, the, my my relationship with my higher was the most important relationship today, and then everything comes. It's God, my higher power, myself, and then others. And I'm so grateful. My life is so has changed over the years. You know, with the relationships, getting a job, going back to school, everything has changed. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Kim G. It's your turn. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The spiritual life is not, it's not a theory. We have to. We have to live it. You know, I think to myself, um, I know a lot of people in this program that can quote the big book line for line that are in a relapse. You know, know, sometimes I go back and I listen to old recordings of A Vision for You from years ago, and I wonder where those voices are. And unfortunately, I know where some of those voices are. They're in the food. You know, um, I have many mentors that I had back six and a half years ago when I recovered that are in relapse. And I have many mentors today that their sponsors are in relapse. You know, this is a daily reprieve. This is serious stuff. So as we finish up this skill set, we're finishing up four through nine. And I think of it as a practical way. If you go to nursing school and you go to school, you know, get your, your um, BSN, you go to school for four years, you... You take you know, your final, you, you get your state boards done, and you never work in the hospital. I mean, do you really feel like a nurse? You know, that learning that skill set in, the ho- in school is so different than practically applying that in a nursing situation. And I have to tell you, one of the reasons I use that analogy a lot is because I failed out of nursing school. I had three years of nursing school failed out, and you know, that was 30 years ago. And my mom, once in a while, will say, Kim, you used to be a nurse. And I'm like, Mom, I didn't used to be a nurse. I, I took some classes. I mean, it'd be crazy for someone to take to, to expect me to have a nursing background now. So what's happening? We're learning the skill set in four through nine. The important thing is we're going to learn in the next couple of weeks, how do we implement that in 10-11? Now, one of my problems was I used to treat it like a panic button. I only worked the steps when I was restless, irritable, and discontent. I often hear people say, well, I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. Well, what does that look like? You know, in 4 through 9, we had the luxury of looking at the last 30, 40 years of our life. Step 10 is right now, what's happening? I'm disturbed right now. How do I get undisturbed? And then step 11, we're taking the same skill set, and we're applying it in three ways. We're applying it at night, and we're looking at the last 24 hours. In the morning, we're proactively asking God into our day. And then we're pausing throughout the day. If we're not doing that, then it is just a theory. And my personal experience is as I finish up these step nines, I finish up my amends, and I start to do my step tens on a regular basis, my step nines dissipate because I'm stopping that step ten stops me before I cause harm. And as I dig into step 11, I'm connected with that power, my step tens dissipate because I'm not getting disturbed because I'm connected to that power. But I have to tell you, I unravel the same exact way. 
I let up on my step 11s. My stop, step 10s start popping up because I get disturbed. I let up on my step 10s. My step 9s start popping up because I'm starting to cause harm. This, and I'm, I'm, I'm at the, my time. So just this is so important. This cannot be a theory. We have to live it. This is a daily reprieve. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And for anyone who's just joined us, we are on page 83, and we are just taking comments on the second paragraph, The Spiritual Life is Not a Theory, and who else would like to share this morning? Lisa B. Barbara E. Reva P. Barbara E. Virginia C. Lisa B. Lisa B., gotcha. All right, this is who I have. Lisa B., Reva P., Barbara E., Virginia. I didn't get the last initial. That's all I got. Who else was there? Leslie W. Leslie. Laura H. Laura. Anyone else? Okay, this is what I've got. Lisa B., Reva P., Barbara E., Virginia, you'll have to give me your last initial, Leslie W., and Laura H. Lisa B., you're up. Good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you, Monica, for your service. I need to remember that I have a loaded gun next to my head all the time. It's just there all the time. And when I start to let up, on these disciplines, these steps, that gets cocked more and more, and it will go off. The food is always the last thing that shows up. And um, I never had a plan of living. I never, I just was surviving, you know, and I'm so grateful for these steps. It is something that I need to throw myself into 110%. I used to just read the steps, say I comprehend them, I get them. I really have to digest them. They have to grow inside of me. They have to take root and become all of who I am. It it needs to become me. I need to become these steps. And what worked for me was getting entirely abstinent, putting all of my alcoholic foods down, my alcoholic food behaviors. It really helped me meeting and talking with a recovered compulsive overeater and seeing that it is possible. I thought it was a scam. Abstinence is my problem. I can't live with abstinence unless I have something to take its place. And I just thought it's not possible to be abstinent and to be happy in life. I did it for five years. I white-knuckled it, and I was miserable. Meeting someone that took me through this work in this big book, starting in the beginning, the doctor's opinion, even reading the forwards to the editions, assimilating the words, hearing my sponsor and how she identified with them, and then I could slowly come out of my denial. Even though I was abstinent, I was still in denial. I thought, oh, my poor sponsor, she must be so sick with this disease. Look how hard she has to work. Then I realized I'm just like her. That's the thing with this disease. It tells me I don't have an illness. It's subtle. So anyways, working the steps, like my life depends on it, and my life does depend on it, doing quickly, not trying to do it perfectly, and then hanging on to these steps, incorporating them in my life and letting it take root. And today I do live in step 10, 11, and 12 with the same desperation as I did in step one. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm just so, so grateful. It is a plan of life, of how to live life. That's what I always wanted, a manual. And I love the word trudging, you know, that we read as we trudge this road. It is a trudge. Life can be a trudge. It's hard. It's difficult. 
there are joyful moments, happiness. It is so much more um, easier, you know, being abstinent, being recovered. This is the easier, softer way. Um, sometimes that fantasy comes in that life is supposed to always be easy and why is this happening and why is it a struggle? It just is the way it is. But I'm so grateful that I have these steps. The most important thing is that I daily see what my character defects are, that I remember that that selfishness goes underground, it morphs into something else, and it hides. I need to constantly be aware of that selfishness and self-thinking, being God-centered and others-focused. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Barbara E. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Step nine for me is a reminder that it's um, about changing for the better, changing my behavior, not my words and my talk. And, you know, before this program, I woke up every morning and told myself today was going to be different, that I was going to do different today. And every day was like Groundhog Day. Every day I did exactly the same thing with food. And every night I went to bed physically ill, remorseful, and just feeling awful. Um, There was no change. So I can talk a good game. But this step reminds me what somebody once shared. You know, even in program, going to meetings, sharing on this meeting, um, talking, Um, Somebody once made the analogy that it's like um, a football game where everybody gets in the huddle and we huddle and we have meetings and I talk on the phone um, and I huddle and I talk. But if I don't go out there and implement the strategy and play the game, that's not living. That's not what the goal of this um, work is. It's living, living in alignment with access to a power by doing the step work. Um, so I recently shared uh, step 10 with somebody which was so powerful around my mother. Um, and once I could ask my higher power and trust that the defects were going to be removed, I get to change my behavior now. Now, do I want to sit in a car for five or six hours to drive to my mother today? Not really, but I'm doing it. So by packing and preparing and getting in the car and showing up, that's changing behavior because telling somebody I love them or telling them I'm sorry and I'm going to do better is nothing compared to demonstrating it. Um, And my behavior, not that I need to convince them, but I need to demonstrate these principles in all um, my affairs now, which is healing the devastation that I caused before I was in this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Barbara E., it's your turn, and then it'll be Virginia. Thank you so much. Happy Friday to everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. Well, every day I pray for my higher power to guide me that tolerance, patience, kindness, and love for all the people I interact with during the day. The definition for me of tolerance is the acceptance of someone or something I don't agree with. I don't need to argue with people who have different opinions about life, our country, or the program. Patience is my acceptance, 
of life as it unfolds. If this supermarket line is moving slowly, I don't have to grumble or move from line to line. Kindness is the act of being kind without any expectations and just thinking what I can do to serve others. And love, of course, is a strong affection or someone or something for me that doesn't mean food. This will not be granted for me if I remain prideful, arrogant, wanting to control the world around me. I have to be willing to let go of old ideas that I held for for decades. I have to give these ideas and prejudices up. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. I have to practice tolerance and patience at dinner, sitting across from a son every single night who is either totally non-communicative or talking nonstop. I have to sit there without building up a resentment. As someone said earlier, made me chuckle. I don't want to slap myself in the face. I have to accept the world around me as it is. I have to give up the fantasy that the planets revolve around me and live in reality. I have to be humble, patient, tolerant, loving, and kind to you and to me and to those I hold most dear. I hold you all in my heart and think of you every single minute of the day as I say thank you, thank you, thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Virginia, you're up, and then it'll be Leslie W. And Virginia, please give us the initial to your last name. Hi, this is Virginia C. from New York. Um, Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay, great. Thank you, Monica. Um, Spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. You know, how do I live it? I live it by realizing that my life, every moment, every action, every word, every, you know, even every second thought, not so much the first thought, but every second thought, I have a choice. I have a choice, constant, moment-to-moment choices in my life. Am I going to choose God or am I going to choose self? Am I going to choose recovery or am I going to choose disease? And that is how... I live my spiritual life. I choose God in all those situations. The ways that that manifests for me is I have a, you know, from even as simple as my abstinence, I have a, you know, just a, a passing thought about food or, or, or I'm feeling hungry at an unusual time. You know, I have a choice. I can either go with that thought and go back to disease or I can go to my higher power. I can make a call. When I make a call, I admit, I, 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 I testify my powerlessness. I'm powerless over this food thought. I don't know where it could take me, so I'm going to call you, and you're going to talk to me, but it's going to be my higher power talking to me. And in every action that I take, I can choose, am I going to be driven by self-will or God's will? And my thoughts, my thoughts, I have to recognize that the first quick thoughts are usually not God's will. My will is quick. God's will is a little slower. And I always want to get to a solution, get to where I could go, figure it out, get what I want really quick. And it's like, I want to get somewhere. So it's like, I'm at the bus stop and I'm waiting for the first 
bus, and the first bus that comes, I'm going to rush onto that bus. Unfortunately, I'm usually driving that bus. And nine times out of ten, that bus is going to take me the wrong side, the wrong side of town. So I have to be able to pause, ponder, and pray, and wait, and wait for God to appear in my life. And eventually the right bus will come and then that door opens, there he is driving that bus. And that takes me to where I need to be. That is my choice. That is how I live a spiritual life in the moment to moment, by always choosing God, asking for help, asking direction. When I do feel, when I do get resentful, I can either stew in it and that's choosing self and disease, or I can do a 10-step with my fellow and hear what God's saying to me through them, and that's choosing the spiritual life. And the more I do that, the more the spiritual life becomes an imprint into my DNA, and it becomes more second nature. More and more I'm finding that my my first impulse is more in the direction of a God-centered impulse. And it comes slower. And so it's, it's, you know, all the choices that we make, even from the fact I'm out for a walk now. I could choose Time. to be on this meeting. Thank you. Or I could choose to be listening to music. At night, I could choose to watch TV. Or I could choose to read program literature and do my nightly review. It's all the choices that we make that constitute our spiritual life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Virginia C. Leslie W., it's your turn. And then it will be Laura W., Laura H. Thank you, Monica, for your service today. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. This is especially true for me. Um, The hardest place to practice these principles is my home, as as it always is. It's always that way, I think, you know, um, and... I'll never forget, um, for the longest time, I made so many, and I talk about this a lot on the line, I talk about my relationship with my husband because it is the most um, prominent relationship in uh, my life, and um, he's the one that I have had to make the most amends to, he's the one that I've harmed the most. And I'll never forget um, last year, you know, I've been in program for seven years, almost going on eight years, listening to Vision for a year and a half. But I remember when things kind of started, I started to feel a shift in our relationship. And for the longest time, he would say things to me like, Leslie, you're a good mom, or, you know, he, he, he would say kind things to me from time to time, um, but the one thing that he would never say was, Leslie, you're a good wife, and I'll never forget when um, a year ago, he surprised me with a trip to Vegas, and, um, and I remember when he put his arms around me, and just out of the blue said, Leslie, you're a really good wife. And I hadn't heard those words in I don't know how long. 
and we've been married for 15 years. And it, um, it was just like such a gift, you know? It was such a gift. And I still have, oh, you know, look, we always talk about how we're still human and these character defects will always pop up from time to time. Um, it, mine popped up for me two nights ago when I started digging around in my husband's spiritual condition and quickly realized that um, that that I needed to make a, an amends for that. So, you know, it's wonderful to um, finally, finally be in a place where I feel like I'm I'm leading an honest life and not talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um, and, 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 and that feels good. And I have such gratitude for the people on this line and for this program and for God. Um, God, I'm just filled with that, with that gratitude today. Thank you for letting me share. Okay. Thank you, Leslie W. Laura H., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Laura H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater out of Chicago. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, This is for me, page 83, the second paragraph. Um, Of course, it's in italicized words. We have to live it. Each day, I woke up this morning, and I'm going to be real honest, I was cranky. And I don't like to wake up like this. <laughs> that means I'm thinking to myself, what step? What? I didn't do my step 10 last night. Why am I cranky? But sometimes we are human. We don't, you know, we're not perfect beings. And sometimes that's what happens. So I knew I needed to get to my morning quiet time and get on these lines. But what's so wonderful about this is it's a new day. And I have the opportunity. And we've been talking a lot about um the spiritual life is not a theory. Obviously, we have to live it. It's just like a Nike commercial. Just do it. Well, sometimes we're we're imperfect, right? So sometimes it's not as easy when our character defects want to keep popping up. Um, but it reminds me, my favorite line in the big book, currently, I always trade lines each and every month, it seems, is page 53. And uh, God is, you know, everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? So this morning as I faced my day, the last Friday of summer vacation before I head back to work, you know, I'm cranky because I don't want to, I don't want to go back to work. I I love my job, but you know, you kind of get a little nervous going, well, it's going to be a busy year. But if I practice each day waking up and giving thanks and being filled with gratitude, I, I become the person that God designed me to be. And so this morning I, I was redoing my readings before the phone meeting and uh, just giving, God has taught me so much. And um, he taught me most importantly how to forgive because he forgave me. And he taught me how to let go and trust and that love, love, true love, is unconditional and uh i was in the and it's just i love they add the line in the in the book the paragraph we read not talk incessantly and uh, i was in the car with a family member and i was just you know she was asking me questions and i was just talking like i talk and she got uncomfortable i didn't realize it at the time she said wow you know you talk about god a lot does that turn people off in your program of recovery and really what I learned was it was turning her off. It was making her uncomfortable. So I, I need to remember that. 
Um, and it really is, um, it is a process of being able to figure out who we are and what God designed us to be and asking for God to lead us and guide us each day. And I'm so grateful. Today is a new day. It's a new opportunity. And I'm grateful that I can come here each and every morning and you are all there too. I hope everyone has a great Friday. That's all I got. With that, I pass. Thank you, Laura H. And we've got time for one more share. Who will that be? One spot. Who would like it? Terry C. Jody. All right. Did I hear Terry? Terry Say your name again, please. Terry C. Okay, Terry C. Thank you for you. You got it. Go ahead. Okay. Um. I guess I just you know I just keep thinking how much this paragraph relates to what it says on page 19. Um. And I love on page 19, and there is a solution that it reminds us that a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. So at the very time that we're getting, we're acknowledging that we have this disease and that God is the solution, it reminds us that we're going to have to demonstrate it's our actions that are in our homes that are going to remind people that we've changed. And even if that requires humility to practice those behaviors again and again and again and get better at those behaviors again, again, and again, that is what this program is requiring me to do, and um, I just appreciate this morning uh, hearing about the fact that it's this demonstration. It's that my actions remind my family when my daughter, I'm going to have to apologize to my daughter for the, you know, for a second time in a series of a few months that, you know, my fear caused me to react harshly to her. Um I'm just grateful for that honesty and I'm grateful for the willingness to be human in front of her and for her to understand that I want to be, I want to demonstrate that I'm a more understanding and honest person and a, and a better, um, and a better servant and that that'll pass. Thank you, Terry C. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Katie G., would you read for us from page 164? Good morning, Monica. May I be heard? Yes. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.